Welcome to the In Pursuit of Virtue podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Morris, and we are talking about all things classical. Classical education, that is, in general, but also specifically what we're doing at Grace Classical Academy to inspire and equip students for a lifelong pursuit of knowledge, virtue, and service to the glory of God. Welcome to the In Pursuit of Virtue podcast. Today, we're talking with Deidre Cairns. Deidre and I took a class last year at New St. Andrews University called The History of Classical and Christian Education. And um, Deidre actually teaches some Latin, but I'll let her introduce herself in just a second. Deidre, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Very humbled and honored to be here. Well, we're so thankful for you as well. Um, Maybe we could start by you just telling us uh, what you teach and what school you teach at. Yeah, I teach at Summit Classical Christian School, and I teach fifth grade as the all day, except I do actually teach, well, for, yeah, I teach Latin in fifth grade. And then in the past, I've taught third, fourth, and fifth grade Latin for the lower school. And we've recently had someone that could do that. And so last year I taught a sixth grade Latin as well as my fifth graders. And this next year I'll be teaching an intro to Latin for eighth grade for those coming into Latin that haven't had it in the lower school coming in later into our school. Oh, that's really great. So that you've Mm kind of had it all on different levels. Yes. Yes. And so how long have you been at that school? I've been at Summit for 10 years. Oh, wow. So, and taught Latin the whole time. Yes. Wow. Okay. And so you're (laughs) starting to teach some upper grade Latin as well, which is wonderful. And um, so I have to imagine that as a Latin teacher, the question that you get more often than any other is why would you teach Latin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or why learn it, right? Yeah, uh, I get that. Yes, all the time uh, from the students. I, beginning of the school year, every time we start Latin, I have a little sheet that I have written out all the reasons, and I'd be happy to go through those with you and your listeners as well. I think that also as we get into it, there's a deeper and broader reasoning that um, can't maybe just be summed up with the bullet points, but I'll give you the bullet points right now. The top one being um, 80% of our English vocabulary comes from either Greek or Latin. 50% comes from Latin alone. So that is a large amount of our vocabulary coming from this one language. It's uh, also the gateway to all the Romance languages. So just learning this one language is going to give you a huge advantage in um, learning French, Portuguese, um, Spanish, Italian, or Romanian. So there's five languages that are based on Latin that this would be a fundamental step to learning those languages. There's uh, proof that your SAT scores, especially tied to English vocabulary, uh, increase with the learning of Latin. And it's it's actually, I like to say, it's a torch that illuminates the Western tradition. So just knowing Latin opens up so much of our Western tradition and the literature and understanding of culture. And Western tradition has influenced over half the globe. So it's, it is significant. And also the intellectual rigor and precision that you have to have when you're learning Latin really teaches the students to think and write in a more concise manner. 
And lastly, it is uh, hugely important, or at least I should say uh, an advantage when I'm teaching grammar. It just really opens up the conversation of grammar, English grammar, when we're learning Latin. In fact, when I teach English grammar, I often refer to Latin. When I'm doing Latin, I refer back to our lessons on English grammar. They just tie together so wonderfully. So those are my bullet point reasons. (laughs) I love them. They're so good. And there's so much more than just um, how often do we hear? Well, if you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a lawyer, you might need some terms. Well, that's Mm -hmm. not quite enough to spend years studying a language. But when you put it the way that you did, um, you know, if you ever want to learn any of these romance languages or it's a it's a decoder, right? It decodes our own language. Exactly. It's like gives you a key. I I even tell my students that sometimes I think it's so fun. It's like if you did have some kind of like, you know, when we were a kid, it'd be like a cereal box decoding thing or a little ring and, and, you know, it gives you a secret message and you have to line up all the things to figure out what it is. That's exactly what it is with Latin. And so, yeah, it just opens up so much English vocabulary. And um, I didn't even get into, yeah, the, 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 uh, professions that would rely on it, which are numerous as well, that would, you know, open up so much of the technical terms in law and medicine and in science. But yeah, that's, that's another one. For sure. Have you, have you seen a, like a light bulb moment for your kids in any grade when they are, um, after you've told them this, maybe they, they don't necessarily see it at first, but once they've learned some of these roots, some of these words, and then all of a sudden they're able to decode something in English, Mm -hmm. have they come back to you and said, oh, I see it now. Yeah. Well, I've had some of those moments in class. Like if there's a word and we're going along and I recognize that it's a word that's put together with a Latin preposition, which are most of our prefixes are based on Latin prepositions and then the, the stem of the word and we can come across something and I'll put it on the board and separate it. And it's like, well, what's this? Well, what's this? Oh, you know, light bulb, you know, and, they, and that. So I've actually been ex- able to experience it, but that moment with some of them just taking apart words. And it happens a lot. It happens often because so many words are, you know, put together. So many of our English words are put together with a, with a Latin preposition plus a stem. So it's fun. It An is. example of that would be um, circumnavigate. So, you know, when we're talking about Magellan and we're, oh, he circumnavigated the globe. Technically, he didn't actually make it all the way around without dying, but he's the one <laughs> giving credit for it. <laughs> um, you know, we take circum, which is around and navigate, uh, I, I sail. So we put those together, you know, I sail around or to sail around navigari. So anyway, um, yeah, things like that. You just take a moment and oh, boom, makes sense. And they're so prevalent. They are everywhere. And when yes, you they start, are everywhere. Yeah. When you start knowing a few of those Latin roots, I, when I first started teaching and I would overhear Latin class, I wasn't even teaching Latin class. I would just hear what my students were learning in their Latin class or hear what the Latin teacher was saying. And I started picking up on those and thinking, oh, wow, like that's that's one that I had not even thought of. But um, even in yeah. my limited exposure to Latin at the beginning, it was um, it was kind of enlightening to to yeah. know what you can figure out with that. Yeah. Yeah. Another example. I Yeah. There could be tons, but um, X, E-X means out of, and um, the eat, I-T is he goes. So exit is he goes out. So another example, 
That um, is one that I didn't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, con is with C sto as I stand. So consist is to stand with. Um, so that's another fun one. Um, it can also mean stop. So day is of C's desist to stop or per pair is through persist is to stand through. So just some fun ones there as well. That's perfect. Well, that mm-hmm. kind of answers my next question, which was going to be um, how you would respond to a parent who asks something like, wouldn't Spanish be more practical? And it sounds like that's a practical question, but really you kind of answered that, but because it's it's so much of a code breaker to, to all of those languages. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I also would add to that, that, yeah, Spanish is great to learn if you want to have a spoken language. Our goal with teaching Latin to these students is not to have it be spoken, which is often surprising to my students. They ask, well, do you speak Latin? Are we going to learn to speak it? Well, certainly you're going to be able to speak maybe sentences, but our goal is not to make Latin fluent speakers. Um, And Spanish is great for that. But um, as a mental discipline in the language, to really make this a key to unlocking other languages, uh, Dorothy Sayers, who wrote the essay, The Lost Tools of Learning, which then later the classical movement really built upon, you know, she said that students are going to learn a language is really important to learn an inflected language. And an inflected language is one in which the nouns change endings depending on how they're used in the sentence, if they're the subject or if they're the direct object, they have a different ending. And so there's not many choices of languages like that, um, you know, like Finnish, I guess, is one, but so Latin makes much more sense that way. But as a mental discipline, an inflected language really is going to make them better learners in, in, in the end. So I have another, I have a quote by W.H. Auden. He says, anybody who has spent many hours in his youth translating in and out of two languages so syntactically and rhetorically different from his own, learns something about his mother tongue, which I don't think can be learned any other way. So I think that that's part of the benefit of that. It's just, it's very logical when you have to really do the inflected languages. Uh, She says in her essay, I'll say it once quite firmly that the best grounding for education is the Latin grammar. I say this not because Latin is traditional and medieval, but simply because even a rudimentary knowledge of Latin cuts down the labor and pains of learning almost any other subject by 50%. It is the key to the vocabulary and structure of all the Teutonic languages. So that was kind of another good reason why Latin is better than maybe learning a more practical language. I think that's those are great quotes. They remind me of, have you read Classical Me, Classical Thee by Becca Merkel? Actually, I have not read that one. I've heard of it. I've got a stack, of course, we both do have to read it in the class, but um, of, of books on classical education, I've read that one. Yes. Well, I would highly recommend it. It's a quick read, but in it, she talks about how Latin, among other subjects, is uh, just exactly what you called it. It's like a mental discipline. It's an intellectual exercise. Um, And she equates it to a basketball drill. She said, you know, if you're going to be a basketball player, you don't do all of the drills because in game time, you're going to go out and do Mm -hmm. a series of one layup after another layup after another layup. Mm -hmm. It's just you play the game, but you've repeated these movements so many times that now they're second nature to you. And that's what the drills are for. And then she Mm -hmm. says, Latin is the same way you do these drills. You break these things down into these little pieces so that when Mm -hmm. you actually need them, you've done these mental exercises, these disciplines to train your brain. 
Yeah, exactly. It is. There's many steps to translating Latin. So each word you break down, like for a noun, it can reflect the a person's, the, how many, the number, you know, and singular, plural, the gender, the mood, the voice. You know, there's just so many things that have to be examined when translating it. So definitely. Yeah. Def- yeah. Well, we often talk about how our highest aim is to cultivate virtue in our students. Can you talk a little bit about how Latin can be used even to cultivate virtue? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's the traditional virtues that we think of. Um, When I think about traditional virtues, I definitely think of, of patience and diligence. And I think that's why, for the most part, you know, I try to make Latin a lot of fun. There's a lot of chanting and singing in games. But there is definitely rigor and discipline with it as well. And so there's some resistance with that because it's hard. And anything that's hard, um, you know, kids can become impatient with or want to give up. So it definitely teaches the virtue of, of patience, of diligence. And then I think some more, if I want to talk about academic virtues that are built by learning Latin, um, there's the observation to detail. Um you have to analyze and deduce and problem solve. So all those things are, you know, really key to academic virtues to learning anything else. So. That's really great insight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our class last year, I don't remember if I said this at the beginning, but Deidre and I took a class at um, New St. Andrews last year on the history of classical and Christian education. And a big part of that was how the seven liberal arts have been so highly relied upon in education over years and years and years. And classical education is just built on the seven liberal arts. And so one of those tools in the seven liberal arts is good literature. It's in every stage. And so I'm curious, Deidre, if you have seen how Latin could possibly develop a greater love for literature or, and you mentioned grammar earlier, maybe firsthand knowledge of how that Latin has improved either their love for literature or reading or writing or grammar. Well, it certainly opens up their ability to read words that they haven't seen before and unpack them. I did ask our, we have an upper school grammar teacher as well. And I reached out to her because I feel like she gets to see some more of the fruit of the initial seeds that I'm planting. One thing that our upper school teacher said is that she really sees, she actually gets to get into even some poetry with the students in Latin. And she said that, you know, she definitely sees that they get more excited about, especially when they can see a subtext. And a lot of stories have another story within them that comes from, you know, Western tradition or that they talked about in Latin. Um, but we're, we're just starting to see some of the seeds of that and we'll, you know, but for sure with the vocabulary, being able to read something and, and know, you know, where that word might've come from. But I do think it's interesting that some of our writers that we just really love today, like you just can't, you know, have a conversation in especially classical, uh, circles without talking about C.S. Lewis. And obviously Tolkien is, is, um, loved in our in our classical movement or well just in general right such a great story and both of them were heavily heavily trained in languages and i think he actually c.s lewis his initial lower school education was just studying latin and greek for the most part um but one thing uh, i've got a quote from tolkien 
and um, talking about languages, they must be acknowledged as the chief humanistic pursuit. I do not wish to be accused, he said, of inventing a new heresy to the effect that salvation depends upon getting a first in classics. But the culture of Europe and by extension America cannot preserve its intellectual vigor unless a high standard of Latin and Greek scholarship is maintained among its teachers. And so I'm sorry, that wasn't Tolkien. That was T.S. Eliot, um, also another great poet. And so so much of our our authors are that we love are steeped in these classics and steeped in the study of languages. And so I think that's also just key to seeing that that was found foundational for them to be able to go on and and write what they did and have the stories that are based on, you know, certainly influenced by the classics. You make such a good point because hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, they taught Latin, but they didn't teach Latin so that they could understand English better or so that they could speak these romance languages better. They spoke, they spoke Latin, they practiced Latin because that was maybe what they spoke or what they were reading. And, um, that's, that's just yet another reason why we still want to learn it today. And like you said, in your upper school, they're starting to use some of those poems and pieces of actual Latin literature that they can now interact with because Mm -hmm. they, they know the words. And that's kind of exciting too, because we don't necessarily have to have a translation. We can interact with these pieces that are so good and classical firsthand without having to have an interpreter. Yeah, absolutely. And as Christians, uh, you know, the Bible, the Latin Vulgate was the main text that anybody had to read between, you know, 300 something AD to when it was started being translated in common languages in the 1500s, 1400s. So it's fun to for me to be able to talk with the kids. I actually have a lot in Vulgate. Sometimes they could take a psalm and we can look at, you know, it's, they're not I'm, at this stage. I'm at advanced enough to to really read it completely. But if we compare it to an English translation, it's a really fun um, study in translation as well. And good for them to know that the Bible we have is a translation. And as we're going through and we're translating or deciding which words to use, some Latin words, there's multiple choices and they're not always the same. Some of them, you know, even like beatus, happy, blessed. Well, which one is it? Is it happy or blessed? Why did they choose, you know, which one should we use here? Is he happy or is he blessed in this sentence? And so it's good to know that when they're reading their Bible, I'm hoping it'll encourage them to realize that, well, this translator, they chose this word. It's also why we have so many translations of the Bible. Um, is because some people are like, well, let's, you know, let's look at this word. It can kind of be this too. Let's get the gist of it. You know, the students can have that experience and know, well, okay. So if I really want to be an, a scholar of the Bible, if I really want to study the Bible, it's good to go back and see, well, what was this in the Hebrew? You know, what was this in the Greek? Uh, you know, there's lots of commentaries and ways to do that, but they know that somebody, some translator had to make a choice between a meaning. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a good point. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that uh, that I haven't asked that you might think is important or that you would tell a new family coming in about Latin and its importance or that you would tell your students? Um, well, I I would tell them that I commonly, you know, it happens frequently, almost, I don't know, say daily, might be exaggeration, that I am reading something or I'm listening to something and um, somebody that has a maybe better vocabulary that I than I do. And they use a word that I would not have known the meaning of if, if I didn't know the Latin. So an example is I was listening to 
a, a book on on Audible, and they use the word vituperative, uh, which I could tell what that was because I knew what vitupare is in Latin, which is to curse or condemn or uh, you know um, yell at basically. <laughs> and so, and then also they, they use pecuniary, and I know pecunia's money. So something that's pecuniary has to do with you know, money. So anyway, um, it, that happens often for me, as, even as an adult. So it's just, it's awesome that, you know, you're giving, a key, you are giving these keys to to students to be able to understand so much. So um, yeah, I think that the last thing I would leave is that another quote, I have um, getting some of these quotes from this book that I just, I, as far as if you want some great reasons for learning Greek and Latin, it's called Climbing Parnassus by Tracy Lee Simmons. Last quote, um, also by T.S. Eliot. I'm sorry, this one's by C.S. Lewis. Hardly any lawful practice would seem to me too high for what I have gained by being made to learn Latin and Greek. So um, coming from, you know, many people's heroes, C.S. Lewis, I think that that hopefully will uh, convince people that the benefits of Latin. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Greek's a little more unattainable. (laughs) (laughs) Only only after Latin, right? One of our authors last year was like, yeah, you should learn both, but uh, learn maybe Latin first and then Greek. And then I think there was another one who was the opposite. So Uh, I saw you had that book there. I wondered if you might have a book recommendation for anyone who might want to know more about classical Christian education or the Latin aspect of that. Well, for those that may not know too much about classical Christian education, I talked about the essay by Dorothy Sayers, The Lost Tools of Learning, and really a lot of the classical education got started, or at least one of the people that was credited with really helping it get going would be Douglas Wilson and his Recovering the Lost Tools of Learning. And um, so that's that's really a good basic start. But I actually almost prefer one that came later called Repairing the Ruins, the Classical and Christian Challenge to Modern Education. And this is by many, many authors. Um, Douglas Wilson was just the editor. And I just feel like it goes more in depth on the different subjects, the movement, what's the goal behind it, why. Um, another one that we did read in our class was The Wisdom and Eloquence by Robert Littlejohn and Charles T. Evans. And I like this one because I feel like it really maybe makes it broadens the subjects and the movement a little bit more so that we don't get stuck into thinking that this is this very rigid way that it has to be done. I think they're very thoughtful in um in expanding, you know, kind of what it could look like. So those probably would be where I'd say to start. <laughs> Those are great recommendations. And I love the Repairing the Ruins one. And um, I also really love the the second one, the Little John and Evans book. We studied a lot about that. And it's interesting that they kind of get into the minutiae of uh, mm-hmm. like all the little nitty gritty differences in how you can do classical Christian education. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. really interesting to read about uh, their take on it. But they they did. You're right. They, I don't know if I would call it an expansion of the seven liberal arts, but kind of. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Where the things can fit in there. Sure. So mm-hmm. it was really an interesting read. Well, I'm so grateful for you spending some time with us today. And thank you for your insight and all of your knowledge about Latin, but also just about classical Christian education. I hope that you're doing well. And I hope that maybe sometime you'll come back and visit with us again. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm very honored to be talking about it. Something I love. So thank you. Thank you.